Hello, I'm Sebastian Marshall, and this is the Ultra Working Podcast. A moment ago, I had an opportunity to try to make a joke out of mispronouncing Ultra Working Podcast repeatedly. I was like, Ultra, the, the, like, I don't know, just one of those things. And it only occurred to me that I could have like made that a joke, like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know what we're doing, and we're doing it. Um, but I didn't. Um, but, but I don't know, maybe you can 5% enjoy that if it was a good joke, it would have been made. Moving right along, Chris Natter, good to be on the podcast with you. I love these microphones. These are really nice. Very soothing. We can like whisper into them and stuff like no, that. No, 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 no. Then I'm the loud guy and you're the sophisticated European. No, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. So um, I had an interesting question where like, I think something that you uh, explained or showed me a while ago that I was like, ah, oh, you know, Probably something I put should put into my toolkit, which uh, here's the situation. We were, you know, um, you were visiting me back in my old uh, home in um, South America. And my laptop at the time broke and I had to get a new one. And uh, importing like Apple, all of the Apple stuff has to be imported. So it was fairly expensive uh, over listing price to buy this laptop there. And I, you know, I was walking around. I didn't want to make the decision. And you broke down the, I think it was additional like $500 of, of, of cost in a way where it made no sense for me to postpone buying that laptop by even just, uh, you know, even just a week or two. Um, I think uh, you, it's like time cost analysis, something along those lines. And um, yeah, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you think about, um, yeah, turning, turning, uh, the cost, breaking it down into, you know, a per day or per hour calculation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a few different mental models. And the thing I want to say before we get started, right, is that, you know, we got listeners at all different stages of economics, right? And I've been dead broke at various times. And like, it is absolutely, especially if you're young, right? It's okay. You can work with busted tools. You put in a good work ethic. It's, it's probably not the tools holding you back. When you can upgrade them, you want to, especially a tool you work with a lot, you're using your computer a lot, anything you're using a lot, you want it to be nice and you want it to be a good tool for you. But, you know, hey, if you're if you're young and you're broke, I've, I've been there um, and and uh, no sweat. Don't get don't get intimidated. Don't get psyched out if you don't get the new, newest, fanciest everything. You know, they say a poor craftsman blames his tools, right? Um a poor craftsman blames his tools. A master craftsman, you give him, you know, you take, uh, actually some, there's really some incredible programmers that used like by many standards, garbage computers to like make a philosophical point that they're going to, you know, that, you know, they're not going to buy into consumer culture or they're, they, they're big into open source. They don't want to use proprietary stuff. So they went to a nickel cadmium mine by themselves and mined it and built their own bios. And like, it doesn't really work, but like, it's impressive. Half joking, half joking, not throwing any shade at anybody. Um, so like, you know, you know the, the first thing is like, do you have cash to make this like a reasonable conversation at all? You know, if you got two grand in the bank and that's the only thing you got to your name and you're an orphan and you know, you're stranded in a foreign country or whatever, I, I don't know, like, you don't, don't, maybe don't go drop that all on a, on a computer tomorrow. Um, and, and don't, you don't need to be upset, um, that you don't have the best tools if you're just starting out. So I just want to say that for the young people there, um, you know, or, you know, the people that are, are, are still on the come up in the world. 
once you made it a little bit and you got some some cash in the bank, yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing you could do is you could do an equation, right? And one thing I do with any purchase that I'm going to make, right, is I look at the the per use cost of the purchase, right? So, you know, many, many, many years ago, I bought a very high-end pair of boots. They would normally be about $1,000. I got like a deal on them. So they were like hundreds of dollars, high hundreds of dollars instead of a thousand. I've had those boots resold a few times. Those, those puppies just keep going and going and going and going and going. You know what I mean? Um, my per use cost on those boots that maybe a lot of people would have said were exorbitant is like cheaper than the beat up pair of sneakers <laughs> that last people three mm. or six months. Do you know what I mean? I, I pay pennies per wear and they look great. You just get them reshined from time to time. Um, those are a great looking pair of boots that I have had them a decade already. I, I don't know. They're like the, the, they'll last me a very long time. Right. Mm. It's like maybe my whole like outside shot at my whole life. Probably not. Probably sooner or later, something stupid will happen, but just keep getting them resold. Super high quality, wax them from time to time, polish them from time to time and you're good. Right. So my per use cost on those boots are much cheaper than uh, a pair of shoes that cost a fifth as much because those have gone for years and years and years, right? Um, this is often not the case in consumer electronics. They tend to have a, a shelf life or, you know, they start to, to slow down. The batteries start to slow down. Do you want to replace them? You usually want to start to slow down, you upgrade it or whatever. But, you know, the way I looked at it is I forget exactly the calculation we made, but in your case, in your case, I think it was going to be like, I don't know, let's just say like arbitrarily, it was going to be 60 days to save 500 bucks. Cause you're gonna buy the computer either way, by the way. So I want to just point out to everybody that Chris was due his his laptop was end of lifing. The battery was garbage. This is a couple years ago. We go out to a cafe together and Chris would be like, Oh, like we got to pack up our work session. I got five more minutes of battery or work from your computer. I'm like, dude, come, like, come on, man. It's like, this is a few years ago. I'm like, dude, it's like 2020. Like your computer shouldn't be dying. If you're doing like knowledge work on your computer all day long, you shouldn't be like chained to somewhere that has power. Right. Um, so you're going to buy it anyways. And the question was, um, is it worth buying 60 days earlier at the cost of 500 bucks? Right. And that's like, okay, now we have a math equation. Let's say it's 50 days earlier. Let's make it really easy. That means you're paying $10 a day to have the computer. And there's a few different ways to look at it. Right. Are you going to get one more fight? We didn't work together at that point in time. You know, you're, you're doing some other things. Are you going to be able to get or keep one more $500 opportunity by having that? Easy. Okay. That's cash payback. I, I believed the answer was yes. Um, mm -hmm. When I said that, because you would have either had to turn down some opportunities to go out in the world a little bit and to jam with me, lest you might miss an opportunity or, to go after something else. And there's like a couple of other things. Like you probably don't notice the situations or whatever. Then there's like, okay, on a plane flight, you can't work on your laptop for very long. Do you know what I mean? So how many hours of lost productivity are you going to get that you're otherwise buying back? And what's an hour of productivity worth? Um, assuming you don't have serious opportunity cost and you're liquid enough in cash, you have enough cash that you can buy anything that pays off for itself, which not everybody can. And like, I'm not, that's why we started the show the way we did, right? Um, whenever you could buy an hour of productivity for $25, like, just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just do it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, I do think, 
there's some contrasting points, but let's start there. Let's let's do the contrasting points. I have some counter arguments to my own points, especially around like policies and extravagance and all sorts of stuff, right? But um yeah, I mean, like you look at the use cost of something and you look at the cost of not getting it and you literally like were mm-hmm. missing capabilities and projected to be missing capabilities for two months. And I think those capabilities for as much as you engage with your computer and as much as your creative work and some of, uh, you know, your social life and things that are meaningful to you and staying in touch with your family um, and, and, and many of your opportunities and your finances swung like having a better computer would have given you new capabilities you weren't upgrading for like vanity you weren't getting a you weren't replacing the plastic with aluminum just because it looks cool with the brushed aluminum there there wasn't a vanity there you're actually getting new capabilities um that you wanted um so yeah i i thought it was worth it to to do that um at that point in time um and i forget the exact details but yeah i mean i think that's a just a calculation that you just make by dividing either hours or days by the cost. And I think people don't look at it that way. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people that would like get a hotel, you know, for like an eight hour layover instead of like sleep in the airport. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And they spend 200 bucks to do that. Do do you know what I mean? And it's like, actually, Mm -hmm. like your computer quality over two months matters like more than that. People just kind of use like market prices and like what's normal as the way to do it, as opposed to like, how many hours and days of my life does this project impacting? So that's a basic calculation. That's the thing you're asking about. I have some caveats to that. I have some like disagreeing with myself stuff, like a policy of maximum frugality or economy or ecology or something like that can be also very valuable and very powerful. So I'm not always saying this, but if you're just operating strict cost, you know, cost benefit calculations locally. Yeah. I mean, you look at the number of hours you're going to spend on that computer, the amount of days that you're going to spend. And you look at literally like lost hours of productivity and, and lost opportunity, right. which was like already like occasionally happening to you. Do you know what I mean? So it's like easy, easy. You divide the cost of a thing, whether that's a, a pair of boots or a new computer or, or a new whatever. Um, and this could be a hotel or this could be flying business class or whatever. And again, we can talk policy in a second. Um, you just divide that by the units of time to get the cost per time, right? So if you were projected to mm-hmm. use that computer another, you know, whatever, 400 hours, right? Then you're paying $1.25 to have an upgraded computer in yeah. that window. And you're paying about yeah. whatever, nine bucks a day or, or whatever it was, you know? Um, and at that point in time, that just seemed like a, a relatively straightforward call. You're also really excited to get the computer. And it's also means, you know, I'm the whip age zero. I love that stuff. Like get the stuff done quickly. So you can stop thinking about it and get on to the next thing. There's some of that too. Mm. So I think there were a couple of uh, situations for me afterwards that like once this model to think about stuff, like once to run everything potentially just to, through this simple calculation, this also would change my preferences for example of how much am i willing to pay let's say you come to a new place um there's a gym they only offer a monthly membership they don't offer individual memberships and it's like you know i'm only only there for like seven days so i can get like three or four workouts in and i can only pay like 40 dollars for the month in the past i maybe would have would have said like i'm not i'm not doing this i'm like i'm being you know being screwed here, I, I can only use it for like 
a third of the month and I'm paying full price. But now I'm like, so basically that means I would be paying, you know, let's say eight twelve bucks a so. workout, eight bucks a workout, yeah, whatever. Workout. Yeah. Am I is that is that workout worth that much to me? And the answer is almost always yes, a workout is worth that much to me. And now I'm going to, you know, to sign up for this amount of time. Yeah, I, that's funny. We haven't we hadn't talked about this point. We hadn't coordinated on this point. I've done the exact same thing, and I came around to the exact same point from the exact same reasoning. Do you know what's funny, by the way, though? And this was something that really broke this open for me. You know, there's those like super fancy gyms that I actually don't find very often to be great gyms to work out. At. I don't know. Maybe people network at them or something, but like I've never been around yeah. one of them long enough to, to to have any networking. But I don't network in the gym. I don't know, whatever, right? But you know, those like super fancy gyms, they have like wood panels and stuff. And I'm like, don't just like soak up sweat and start smelling. I, I don't know, right? You know, like I've, I've been to a couple of them. I had a membership at one once for a little while and I was like, okay. I just want to lift weights at the gym. I don't really want to admire the freaking uh, marble, um, you know, but if you did see one of those 200 or $300 a month gyms, right. And the guest pass was 20 bucks or 30 bucks. You might be like, ah, screw it. I get to use, <laughs> you know what I mean? I get a benefits. I don't care about in terms of wood paneling and, and, and nonsense. Mm. Uh, some people mm. go to those gyms to date, by the way. So some people go to look right. for wealthy romantic partners. I just remembered that. I, I, I went to one of those gyms actually on a, a it wasn't that expensive because it was in a, a Eastern European country. So I went to a very wealthy gym and it was, I, I, I was, I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental. I, I, I was unapproving of this whole scene that was unfolding. I'm there. I'm there to do some deadlifts. I'm not there to. I mean, I, I and I've and it, like the fashion was like 15, 20 years behind. So people have like perms with like fluffy hair and like like track suits and like corporate gear. And I'm like, I, 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 I'm gonna get judgmental if I get into it too much. It was a funny scene though. Um, so. Yeah, you know, you look at it, right? And like, we're used to being like, hey, if I'm paying 40 bucks for a month, I want to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what's a workout worth to you? Right. Right. And and the flip yeah. side is, for some people, it might not be $35 for the day pass, depending on where they're at in terms of income and disposable income and things like that. It might not be. And then who cares that it's a $300 gym? That uh, you know is a is, it doubles as a, a mix and mingle when you're not uh, putting a pretty lame workout in. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, and actually, I think you know. Like, what I so here's another thing: is paying extra for a slightly better seat in the airplane. I've done that now more than I probably would have in the past. But it also, I think, swings the opposite way. You should probably also on a regular basis be like, hey, this upgrade here or whatever, this like more expensive hotel or whatever, isn't actually, if I run this down, um, it's not giving me an equal benefit for the money money I'm, I'm paying and saying no to those things. Yeah, you want to do you know, value or usage based spending, not like just pattern, like following patterns. I've, I've heard it called class based spending. Like people are just used to buying what is like normal. So if you see yourself as a middle-class person, you go to the $40 gym, you know, you get the $8 pizza, the fancy restaurants, the $35 restaurant, you know what I mean? And so on and so forth. And it's like, 
you know, it's very well the case, maybe the case that the Mexican food is like very, very good in your area. And it's like quite tasty. And it's like, you can get it healthy if you, you order the right stuff and say, you know, don't, don't give me the tortillas and whatever. And it's really cheap. And like, sometimes there's like, you know, like cheap street food or, or whatever. And that's like below your class spending level. And it's like not where people like you go spend money, mm. right? People like right. me stay in a holiday inn when I travel. People like me stay in a, a four seasons when I travel, whatever, right? So, I mean, I remember there was a time period in my life when I was really min-maxing everything and very analytical. And I was a little younger, a lot younger. And I would like be very happy staying at a youth hostel, right? And then taking somebody I met out to a $200 dinner, you know, like, like a, a new business acquaintance. And I had absolutely no problem with that because like, at that point, I'm, I was like rugged and indestructible. You know, I, I could, doesn't matter if people are freaking getting drunk and being rowdy and making noises. Those, those days are past for me. It was fun. I'm glad I did some of that. It was great. Back in the day, it was, it was great. Was past tense, you know? Um, but uh, what's the least I can spend here to sleep? Like 12 bucks. Actually, least is zero. There was a time in my life when I, I went camping in a jurisdiction where camping in public parks was legal to travel through an expensive country. That was that was that was one of the most fun is in the summer. It was one of the most fun months of my life. It's like hiking around and camping in parks and stuff. I really like to save cash, but I had like a hundred grand in the bank at that point in time. Right. And and then and then sometimes take somebody out to a two hundred dollar dinner or get an extremely nice gift for somebody if they helped you, you know, get a business deal or something. I, I saw no contradiction in those. I saw no contradiction between I mean you gotta make sure mm-hmm. your stuff doesn't get stolen. But I saw no contradiction between having the highest end computer and staying in a twelve dollar a night hostel, right? And I saw absolutely no problem in staying at twelve dollar a night hostel and buying a fifty dollar gym membership that I'm only gonna use twice if the workout mm-hmm. was worth it for me and there was was no other option. Um, yeah. And I think once you just start to think that way, like where's the value and then like the usage and like, what's the value, what is the value of a gym visit? Cause it's not a gym membership. It's like, what's the value of a gym visit and using right. the equipment the gym has that you couldn't do with bodyweight exercises or wherever else. I mean, I, th- I think that's just a pattern. That's, I think it's the way to think about it. So for me going over everything you said, I think there's two takeaways that I, um, will take away from me is number one, first off being like it seemed that when you were min-maxing, you were actually putting a lot of, you'd put some time initially into getting clear for yourself what you cared about and what you didn't care about. And then you were ruthless at cutting down costs on the stuff that was irrelevant to you, like how fancy you sleep or things of those of that nature. And then you were very clear that things you did care about, like, fostering good relationships were very important to you and you were then on the opposite side not at all um, concerned about spending more than would be uh, usual on on those uh, those things and then secondly i think once i think that's a great baseline already to have because i i can't really say that i have done that explicitly for for all of it or even for the most of the the areas i spend money but then secondly, once you've got that, then just having um, strengthening that muscle to be a little bit more analytical when you look at the way you spend money of like, you know, just quickly back of the envelope calculations of, hey, how does this, does this fit into my bigger spending philosophy now, I guess, my values? 
Absolutely. And I'm glad you said spending philosophy because one reason to go cheaper than naive expected value calculations is if you do want to run like a a maximum frugality policy. You know, so Amazon, this is like a cult story that I'm sure everyone's heard a million times. I'm not even sure it's true. It's probably true because I've heard it so many times, but sometimes these things aren't. Like apparently like they were like broke when they started. So they like desks were expensive, office furniture desks, but doors, like a door that you'd put on a like a like, like a bathroom door, like a door to a bedroom door. Apparently doors were really cheap. And like, like a door is a freaking board. You put like cinder blocks underneath it, you get a desk, right? So apparently Amazon had this thing where they make door desks. Right. So instead of dropping 300 bucks per desk, they would just buy a door for like 50 bucks and then like whatever, jack it up on cinder blocks to save the cash. Well, apparently they kept that tradition going. I don't know if it's still going, if this story is even true or if I don't know if it's apocryphal. Right. But I've, I've heard it a bunch of times, you know, that's like doesn't matter. Right. You know, if they hire an engineer right out of school who's who's getting paid quite well, saving $250 once in provisioning a desk for legitimately like, probably a door on cinder blocks is probably a little bit jankier than a desk. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like, you know, right. But what that is, is that's like a very, like, if we're going to be like ruthless about freaking desks, then we're surely not getting skinned by like a supplier that wants to stock on the store. We're going to drive costs down. We're not going to waste anything and we're gonna get the lowest prices mm-hmm. to people. So, you know, maybe you want to run a policy like that to be an exemplar. To be frank, uh, under some conditions, you know, under some conditions, um, under some conditions, if you're doing certain types of like nonprofit work or social work, it would probably be like inappropriate to like roll up in the newest, fanciest, whatever. Um, You know what I mean? And like, because it's not just about, there's like, you got to have propriety, but you also have to like be aware of the appearance of propriety and you got to like look like you fit the part. Likewise, you know, if you're a, a lawyer or a physician, you might not drive a total beater because that might wreck up unless you're really good, right? <laughs> if you're really good, you can do whatever you want, but you might want to drive something at least respectable so you don't, you know, cast doubt on your ability to practice law or practice medicine, maybe. Yeah. I think people overstate that. They get worried about that. They think they got to get the newest, craziest thing to show off. I'm just saying don't drive a freaking beater where like the fender's falling off and it's going to get, you know, impounded and get a boot on it in the parking lot of the hospital or at the courtroom because your car's falling apart. Um, But I I do think there's very valid reasons. And I I admire the people that absolutely take spending to a minimum too. It's like Mm -hmm. amazing how little you can live on. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know when I was going super cheap, I'd buy, I'd travel with like a little bit of oatmeal. So I would like take two of the Ziploc bags. So if you have one Ziploc bag, you're in a danger zone. But if you have two Ziploc bags and you turn into the thick, heavy-duty Ziploc bags and you turn one of them like the down, the opening of it, down on the other one and open it, then the other thing exploding, as long as you don't have extra air in there, it's pretty low. I'd fill it with just whole oatmeal. And then anytime I could get any paper cup and stir hot water into it, I could have a meal that was like some carbs, some complex carbs for like pennies. And I was like very mm. proud, even though I had some cash that I'm like having this cheap and oatmeal, I don't know, whatever, always work well for my body. So I, I think there's some advantages to doing that and to, to, to kind of manifesting that, that policy, maybe to set an example for other people, um, maybe for yourself, maybe because it's interesting. It's kind of fun to see how low you can go, like how, how much, like, like if you want to have like a really amazing picnic, like how cheap can you do it is kind of fun, it can also like help you recalibrate. 
Um, yeah. And then door, door desks. So, I mean, there's policy reasons, even if you have the cash to, to consider economizing in an area and or, or like having a strict budgeting category and not doing the cost benefit calculations. But I think, yeah, I think above some, some threshold, you, you reduce it to analytical calculations and you say like, yeah, like what's, what's my spending philosophy? You develop one. Mm. And I think any spending philosophy that's sound has some like usage over time. Like how many times are you going to wear that thing? Divide that by the cost. It's the cost per wear. You don't look at the cost of a garment. You look at the cost per wear of a garment. <laughs> like, duh. Right. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, duh. Like, if a nice pair of jeans costs triple but lasts five years and, like, kind of a cheap pair of jeans costs the third but it, like, busts up within a year, it's more expensive per wear as long as you have mm-hmm. the cash outlay where it's not a hassle, right? Um, yeah, so I think per wear, per hour, per day – type calculations are are a critical component of thinking through this stuff and spending more in the places where you'll get more utility from doing so and then spending less in the places where you won't. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Like, I actually, I, I thought I would be, like, getting super excited about the math, but I'm actually, like, now more excited about the philosophy aspect because um, what I think if we don't pay attention to it, there will be many areas where you're basically just, if you haven't really thought about how, um, what brings back value for you specifically, then you you will end up in many cases in a situation where you spend more with only marginally more value, or maybe even less value, actually. Um, maybe, you know, second or third order consequences of, 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 of your decision to do go in a certain direction. No, really interesting stuff. Uh, way more uh, behind the curtains than just just running some math before you think about purchasing hey, I'll, something. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw one last one. I'll throw one last one out there. And this is like a screw my own credibility up one. So, you know, it's, it's probably useful. I'm just going to say, because maybe it's, maybe it's going to help some people a lot. There's one other one that I put out there. All right, look. Just between you and me, don't, no, nobody quote me on this. Don't make me... Don't make me just, 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 if you, if you listen to this episode, it's just this episode thing. Chris, you think people respect that? It's this episode thing. I don't want on Twitter. All right. Just give the re- Okay. All right. I'm going to tell everybody a secret, right? Especially if you're coming up from middle class, working class. All right. A lot of rich people food tastes freaking gross. You don't have to pretend to like it. <laughs> you don't have to pretend to like it. If you have to be at one of those places, Get the cheap thing on the menu and then go to Wendy's later and get like a Dave's Double and a Frosty, which actually tastes great. <laughs> if you want to have something tasty, it'll change your life. I'm telling you. When you're just like, this shit is gross, <laughs> right? Some of it's actually good, in fairness. Some of it is just uh, a little bit uh, unnecessary. Clam-infused clams, but great, <laughs> right? <laughs> And like some of the stuff is gross and you're like, oh, it's a very sophisticated. Don't be like, oh, yeah, cool. Thanks. No, yeah, yeah, I like it. Okay, that's fine. Like I'll have the steak. The steak will be fine wherever it is. By the way, you can also have it medium if you like it medium. I don't want it dripping in blood. I know like everybody's like the blood thing is great. I'm like, I'll take the steak cooked. It's okay with me. You got some flavor profile. You're tapping into your caveman flavonoid connoisseur. Like a medium steak is fine with me. Maybe I'm a heathen. I won't have ketchup on it. Nobody make that joke about me. Thank you. But um, this guy is so uncivilized. I suppose so. 
yeah, I'll take my Dave's double chocolate frosty. If I want to have some some junk. Otherwise, I'll just eat whatever. Ideally, eat some healthy stuff, right? That's not that expensive, right? Um, but yeah, high quality food, but not high fancy food. So I, I think that's something maybe listeners. I'm saying this, I'm probably losing some cred. Like it's probably like bad, you know, but like, I know there's some young person there that's going to be at a fancy restaurant and people are going to get in this weird thing. And you're going to be like, I need to pretend to like this. You won't even realize that's what you're doing. You're like, Oh no, I don't, I don't know what this is. Right. And like, you'll try it. It'll be like gross and you won't like it. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, man, you just spend 60 bucks for that gross thing and just be like, yeah, it's okay. Like, you know, like don't be close minded about trying stuff. Sometimes I try things a couple of times. Maybe you learn from somebody's in that world. Someone's like a chef that actually loves food, not a class thing, but they love food. Those people are great to eat with and learn about food with. But like, yeah, man, some, some of the stuff, some of the stuff is gross. And I think being like that stuff is gross. And I like a really good burger. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a, I think that'll save people a lot of money and create a lot more value. <laughs> it's a trap. All right. It's a trap. Yeah. It's a funny trap. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my, my eyes open for that as well. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out one more time, Chris, one. right? You think about like exotic foods, right? You think about right. exotic foods. If the exotic foods were tasty, they would be mass market foods and there would be a lot of them. <laughs> like, it's common sense. It's common sense. There's maybe some exotic foods that like only grow upside down in a freaking cave in the middle of the earth or something that you got to freaking like, okay, like whatever. I know there's stuff like that exists. And there's like the Japanese kill you poison fish or whatever. Maybe that's really good. Mm. Haven't tried it. Right. But like if something's like an exotic meat, it's like probably not any good. Otherwise, it'd be a mass market one. They would have just made mm. a lot of it <laughs> and then everybody would have it. Like, you know what's good? Like chicken burgers. Like it's good. <laughs> like that's why there's a lot of it. It's like a it's a natural selection of the food economy. All right. Uh, rant, rant, rant over, rant over. But yeah, um, philosophy, spending, value. Um yeah, I think everybody should eventually put a spending philosophy together. I think doing it analytically is definitely a part of any good spending philosophy. And um, always a pleasure, Chris Natter. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Really interesting um, takeaways for me. Um, cool. Yeah, let's do more of these. Let's do more of these indeed. Thank you for listening, listener. Be well. <laughs>